Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Welcome back. I've got a surprise for you guys. Lay it on us. I'm ready. Real Life Real Crime Daily is the top crime commentary podcast in the United States. What? That is freaking amazing. I'm fired up. I love it. We're also the only, from what I can tell, (laughs) true crime commentary podcast in the United States. But that doesn't take anything away from us. We are still number one and climbing. Seriously, folks, your your response to what we are doing has been fantastic up until now. And uh, that's just motivating us to commit more and more to it and do it better and better and bigger and bigger. And so thank you very much. Yeah, love, love, love. We're going to start today off the way we start every episode off, by giving you updates on some of the stories we have been tracking closely, and none more closely than the continuing uh, story as it evolves of the Idaho murders. Many of you probably spent your Friday night watching either Dateline or 2020 give their spin on these stories and uh, and go for the big ratings on the, on the hot story. I was most struck in um, – in the Dateline episode by them turning to an expert, a true crime expert by the name of John Mathias, who is a forensic psychologist and host of the Hidden True Crime podcast, which in my estimation, my completely neutral, unbiased explanation, doesn't hold a candle to the real life, real crime True Crime Podcast, and I'm just wondering what the heck is going on over at Dateline, Woody, where uh, they would call this novice. I don't, maybe he's, he was available because we had live shows Friday night. <laughs> That's right. oh, there you go. Woody, unavailable. 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 So instead, although we don't really know John Mathias, so we'll resist referring to him as a quack or uh, a hack, but – I wonder just how many cold cases he's solved yeah. while my friend over here continues yeah. 
to solve the crimes others could not. But um, to be fair, this guy did a pretty nice job summarizing what he thought the motivations of uh, of Koberger were in the crime. And uh, what he said, I think Koberg, Koberger is someone who had a lot of fantasies of revenge, a lot of violent and aggressive impulses over the years that have been weighing heavily on him and created a lot of anxiety and stress. Yeah, well, I can tell you, like I said previously, I would be very shocked if they don't find more bodies on this guy. I know you don't just start out killing four. Uh, no way. And I think that that seems to be the consensus from many, 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 many experts is that, you know, it's no secret Koberger was uh, overweight in high school and lost a bunch of weight, and they think that might have contributed to his arrogance he, and his hatred was, for women. And he was picked on by a certain group of girls in high school before, and he started working out to try to become a – Army Ranger, which he failed, which I'd said that before. He was going to be ex-military or try to be a police officer and couldn't make it. This before his arrest, before we knew who he was. And it all fits into the profile. Right. But he's got something else on him, whether it's an attempted whatever, I don't know. Just wait and see what they have and then what, what comes out. Well, they also talked to a retired FBI agent and university professor by the name of Greg Rogers, who uh, told them in an interview that uh, that Koberger intentionally chose a combat knife to instill fear in the victims. I think it was. I think that's probably incorrect. The uh, I think he chose that knife because he knew when you're stabbing that combat knife will help him not get injured. It's not like he's got a, a butter knife out of the kitchen he's gonna, or steak knife. He's going to cut his hand on when you're doing the force and your hand slides down. The K bar has the, the hand guard. It's made for killing. It's made so you don't get injured. That's right. Dateline. So next time around, if you reach out to a Woody Overton, you'll get an accurate assessment <laughs> of why the particular murder weapon was chosen. Rogers went on to say that he believed Koberger became obsessed with one of these victims. And that's, that, a, that, that's a probability. And, I mean, I, I don't think he was obsessed with all of them. I think he went in and killed who, who he had to kill till he got to the right victim. Okay. Fair, Jim? I would agree with that. They spent a lot of the episode talking to family members, uh, classmates. Uh, One of the pieces I found uh, most interesting from what they did was talking to uh, two people who had been in a class where Koberger was the TA, the teaching assistant. Mm -hmm. And one of them commented about what a jerk Koberger was in terms of grading papers, that he was particularly harsh on the students giving very low grades, that he was the kind of TA that was unapproachable, and nobody after class would walk up to this guy to ask him questions. That's his, his power position, his power play. Even then, uh, he couldn't become a cop, couldn't do the military. So he, whatever aspect he can get to power or triple on other people, being a TA, being a dickhead TA, that just fits in with the, the 
profile in this cat. Yeah, it was very important for him to show people he was smarter than they were. Right, right. And then he had the power to, you know, in college, if you're a TA, you have the power to take away points and really affect someone's graduation uh, just based off of your opinion of what right. they're doing. One of uh, one of his students said that his behavior changed dramatically in mid-November, which would tie to the crimes, obviously, and that he all of a sudden became uh, a lot more reasonable and uh, started giving out good grades to people mm-hmm. on their papers following right. that date. Any assessment of that? If he didn't, you know, I'm just thinking about it. If, if he doesn't have uh, other bodies on him, he, he certainly has had the fantasy. But the thing being is um, – then he he had a stressor. There's something that made him break and finally break through the fantasy part and do the killings. So it'd be interesting to see what they have. They have a whole hell of a lot more than what we know in Dateline and get it right next time. Give us a call. They they also spoke to an, another former FBI investigator uh, who brought up the uh, idea of Coburger having what's known as an incel complex which is the term incel is an abbreviation of involuntary celibate. It's generally used to refer to men who struggle to establish romantic or sexual <laughs> he relationships. He can get laid. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's not funny because this guy's an asshole, but I, I, hey, I wouldn't disagree with that. I can't believe they have a term, a term for, for that. that. A term for being a little bitch. Involuntarily <laughs> celibate. Just means, yeah, yeah you can't, you can't get, get laid, laid. <laughs> and you want to, but right. you can't. It's it's not like he he can't get an erection. He just yeah. can't get laid. Well, we don't know that either. Yeah, <laughs> he, he doesn't have any game. Wow, incel, huh? It goes back to it goes back to that <laughs> Tinder date, I guess. Right? It goes with calloused hands as well. Yeah. <laughs> incel. Unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to hear a lot about. Uh, this case for quite a while here as uh, Koberger waived his right to the uh, expedited uh, process and is not due in court again until I think June. June, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to have to find some time to, to fill your evenings, Jim. You're not going to be able to uh, to trace uh, his, uh, his steps any longer. But uh, we will follow it as further developments come. And once again, Dateline, uh, next time around, you'll have an opportunity to – Bring in a real expert and uh, and get some real insight. Right. The second story we want to update is uh, the story of our six-year-old shooter in Norfolk, Virginia. If you Crazy. remember, this is a first-grade student who shot his teacher. The good news is she is going to survive. Her condition is now uh, stable. They have actually released uh, her name, which we'll give to you in uh, – in a minute here, but uh, uh, but some interesting things have come out mm-hmm. uh, in the days since the shooting happened. Apparently, the school was alerted. School administrators were alerted to the probability that this particular student was bringing a weapon to school. That's it. a problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, maybe they believe, like everybody else in the world, that a six-year-old can't get a firearm and bring it to school, but— 
if they were alerted, that they were alerted. Right. He actually had the firearm right. at school. Someone at school was told this kid has a firearm and he didn't follow up on it. Yeah. Well, according to that superintendent, George Parker, that we uh, we mentioned last week, at least one administrator was notified of a possible weapon. A lawsuit. That uh-huh. uh, and the student, uh, the student's backpack was reviewed when they got to school. So they searched yeah. the backpack of the student and did not find a weapon somehow. Then they didn't search it good enough because right. he had a That's weapon it. and that person needs to be fired. Yeah. And everybody that knew that there was a possibility that he had a weapon and supposedly searched his backpack and didn't find it needs to be fired. Yeah. I mean, because how do you overlook I, a you gun? Yeah. They, um, How do you I, overlook a gun? I expect that this might be a CYA on their part, covering their ass um, by saying they even searched the backpack. I don't That's believe bullshit. it. I mean, what was he got in an ankle holster and you missed it? I mean, come on. Well, a spokesperson for uh, Newport News Public School District, Michelle Price, told Fox News in an email statement that the boy's backpack had been searched after it was reported the student might have a weapon, but that no weapon was found sure at that point. Sure, it was. So it was not. They have, we want to see the video. We want to see the video of them searching that backpack. This guy had a Johnny dangerously in his backpack, yeah, and, they, right. and they missed it. I mean, you yeah. don't miss a gun in a six-year-old's back. You pull everything I, out, and then you hold it, and a gun has weight to it. I want to see the video of that backpack being searched. Yeah, I, I bet you they don't have it. it. You know why? Because it doesn't exist. Yeah, th- this gun is like the. Uh, the Biden secret documents. No one knows how it got there because yeah. it's uh, details about how they learned about the weapon. So who called in the tip or where it came from and why it wasn't found before the shooting or not immediately hey, available. And, and whoever called it in, I'm, if, if, if they're an adult, why the fuck did they, they grab the weapon off of them? Or um, maybe if it's another student saw it and, and whatever, I don't get it. The whole thing baffles the shit out of me. Well, our thoughts go out to the teacher, Abby Zwerner, Absolutely. who was just a 24, oh, excuse me, 25-year-old teacher who was shot. Um, there was no warning or struggle before the boy aimed the gun at Zwerner. So the, uh, the rumors of a confrontation must have occurred the day before right. or sometime before. And so he came to school with uh, the specific idea of going right at her when he uh, when he got his chance. The police chief, Steve Drew, described the shooting as intentional. The boy is being held at a medical facility uh, following an emergency custody order. The judge will determine what is next. The six-year-old used his mom's gun, which oh. was purchased legally. So the gun was licensed by the mother. It remains unclear how he accessed the weapon, but under Virginia law, uh, you are prohibited from leaving a loaded gun where it is accessible to a child under 14. That's a misdemeanor, uh, but it certainly looks like mama will be in oh, yeah. a little bit of trouble. We here. definitely will be hearing about moms getting arrested. And the school in their uh, final announcement uh, related to this uh, said they will be instituting 
mandatory metal detectors at all of the schools in the district. So we will have kindergartners no and first fucking graders world we live walking in. through metal detectors. Kindergarten and first grader get the metal detectors. So. Yeah, I know. And and somebody I just don't buy it that they search at backpack. I think I'm with Woody on that. There that you're covering your ass and uh and that's the story and they're sticking to it. But right. you cannot search a backpack and not find a gun in it you have to pull everything out and then put everything back in and you will find the gun if there's a gun in a backpack how much shit can a first grader have in his backpack right right yeah and that's a that's a major thing because that's an avoidable situation and what pisses me off is now they're trying to cover it up yeah you know just just fess up you you know that you didn't search the backpack um it's disgusting, really. Somebody could have been killed. Crazy. And you knew about it in yeah. advance. Right. Moving right along, folks, the first news story today is a uh, story tied to uh, yesterday's national holiday involving Martin Luther King Jr. and a $10 million statue dedication uh, sculpture that was uh, unveiled in Boston's uh, famous Boston Common uh, yesterday, and uh, this thing is trending like you won't believe, and is being referred to as the penis statue. <laughs> so we are uh, we are labeling this segment. This should be a crime. So while this doesn't necessarily fit under our normal description of a crime story, we believe it should be a crime. Ten million dollars spent to build a penis statue. Even uh, some relatives of Coretta Scott King. Uh, hate the new $10 million uh, sculpture just dedicated to her and her iconic civil rights leader husband in Boston with a cousin claiming, quote, it looks like a penis. (laughs) The massive bronze piece entitled The Embrace features two sets of arms holding each other, an artistic interpretation of the classic photo of Coretta and hubby Martin Luther King Jr. hugging after he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. The mainstream media was reporting on it like it was beautiful. I guess they were told they had to say that, said Seneca Scott, Coretta's cousin, referring to the new artwork in the Boston Common. But then it came out. A little boy pointed out, quote, that's a penis. And everyone was like, <laughs> everyone was like, yo, that's a big old dong, man, said a 43-year-old from Oakland, California. That was so, actually me. This that might have been, that might have been Jim. Have, you guys, you guys have taken a look at this thing. Haven't yeah, you? it's amazing, amazing the stupidity of people. Um, a little side note: I bodyguarded Coretta Scott King about twenty five years ago when she came to be a guest speaker at Southeastern. And uh, you know, it's important to note that this ten million dollar statue, uh, the, the sculptor for this is renowned. You know, it wasn't like they got. Uh, Somebody at the local high school, the, really the art department, now. to put yeah. this together. Fuckers, ten and, million dollars. That better be uh, Rodan. Yeah, <laughs> you're oh, right. Shit. So, um, and of course, Martin Luther King being just absolutely iconic and um, an amazing civil rights leader. We just did an episode yesterday on Bloody Angola, right, featuring right, his right. letter from a Birmingham jail. Uh, so check that out. Yeah. But. Just an amazing, iconic 
figure and some people are pretty wrapped up over this and in some upsetting ways and understandably so it's the 10 million dollar dong <laughs> in the That's a uh, how long dong. is going to be till they take that bitch yeah i was going to say in the yeah. spirit of the tearing down of uh, statues across the right. us i'm i'm thinking this one will have a shorter shelf life than most right uh, it literally looks like an oral sex scene gone very wrong. <laughs> so check it out online if uh, if you have, How do you not if you have not check that shit. Uh, you know your public leaders, a dedication ceremony and shit, and here it is, the dome. Turning now to the great state of Alabama, an Alabama chiropractor was arrested and charged with allegedly attempting to kill his estranged wife by poisoning poisoning her with pills laced with lead. Brian Mann, age 34, was charged with attempted murder for intentionally causing his wife, Hannah Petty, 24, to unwittingly ingest particles of lead while the couple was going through a divorce. He wasn't (laughs) successful, first of all, and if you're going to give her lead, you should be like, uh, kill him good, Mike? He was partially successful. So beginning in January of last year, uh, Petty, the wife, spent two months at the University of Alabama uh, at Birmingham Hospital recovering from lead poisoning. So she had been poisoned. She filed for divorce two days after she was discharged. And the husband, man, was arrested in September. He allegedly gave his wife pills from the summer of 21 through the winter of, uh, of 22 and told her they would strengthen her immune system. Mm-hmm. My wife starts sporadically giving me pills yeah, and saying, here, they're going to strengthen your immune system. I ain't taking nope. it. I'd be like, hmm. Yeah. This guy was figuring he was uh, going to get away with uh, this mastermind uh, crime because he's accused of having five separate life insurance policies payable on his wife's death that had a collective death benefit of $1.3 million. You know what? I'm not killing my wife for one point three. No, maybe 1.4. No, just <laughs> this. Look, this guy's a fucking idiot that, uh, to think you're not going to get caught and get, you know, maybe he'll be very successful in prison as a chiropractor. Maybe some convicts needed some adjustments, right? Well, let's, let's ask, ask our expert here that we have the, the former homicide detective himself. Now, if, if you have a murder and you go to the home and it's the wife and the husband's, Alive and kicking, and it's kind of strange. Can't figure out why she died. What's the first thing you check? I would imagine um, anything to do with their relationship. Uh, you know, was he having an affair? You know, financial troubles, anything like that. And I'm sure at some point you check out the life insurance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's part of it. And you you're going to dig deep into the finances. Yep, yep. So, well, so, here's the here's the kind of brain surgeon we're dealing with. Yeah. So. He's arrested in September and has taken out the five insurance policies for $1.3 million, but that wasn't good enough. So in December, three months after he's arrested, he applies to get an additional $1.5 million payable upon her death. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to crank it up. Right? Yeah, and, and here's the interesting thing about that. He's, you know, the life insurance companies figured this out a long time ago. So what they do now is if you take out a life insurance policy and it's a new policy, you're not eligible to be paid on that for like a year or something like right. that. Like some time's got to pass. Right. So um, 
even had nice. she passed away in January, he wouldn't get the additional one point five million yeah. uh, because it wouldn't have kicked in yet. But you know, maybe that's why he's trying to kill her slowly. Yeah, maybe so. And then I guess he could always hope that uh, she'll pass and he'll collect. And you're a fucking idiot because you're not. Enjoy your prison time. Yes, Brian, man, we would uh, vote you not a real man. Yeah, uh, pretty stupid, Brian. Actually, very stupid, Brian. Speaking of stupid, <laughs> here's the segue. We're now in the great state of Tennessee. Oh, my God. Where we meet cop party girl. Big orange. Five officers were fired and three others were suspended as a sex scandal rocked the Laverne, Tennessee Police Department. The eight Laverne officers were disciplined earlier this week after an internal investigation uh, found that there were multiple sexual encounters involving members of the second shift. The investigation revealed that Officer Megan Hall was intimately involved with several officers on her shift, both on and off the clock. Now, I'm staring at a picture of Megan Hall. Yep. Guys, come on. She looks like my Sunday school teacher or something. I mean, she doesn't look like someone that would get wrapped up in that. Yeah, well, Um, you never know what drives people. Uh, She almost looks like a boy to me. But the deal on this whole thing is is, uh, what cops do on their off days. I can assure you it's, you know, the shift parties and all that stuff that they're going to do that anyway. But the problem, shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Looking for a new and healthier way to unwind? I was too, and then I tried Recess Mood. Recess Mood replaced that after-dinner alcoholic beverage for me, so I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit, 
It is only 20 calories and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great too and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment of chill during dinnertime chaos, Recess Mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash RLRC and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yes, they're banging on daily. Yeah, and that's uh that was yeah, that's an issue. But a lot of what people are wrapping up in this article that I took out of it was the fact that uh, off the clock stuff, you know, they they really look what this girl chooses to do and who she chooses to screw is kind of her business off the clock and if she's got right. five dudes and she's attracted to all five and she ain't got a problem Yep. Doing it, that, you know, it's not against the law. Yeah, football it was parties, whatever. I mean, that's those are grown adults, right? The problem is when you got to break a we used to call it breaking a limb. When you got to break a limb on duty, uh, um, yeah, that's that's it's an issue. Yeah, you know, they you might be missing a crime or whatever. That's certainly malfeasance in office because you are having sexual intercourse, whatever type of way, when you're supposed to be protecting the servant. You're serving, but you're not protecting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely say definitely serving. Yeah. It's not like this is a big ass department, y'all. I mean, uh I, it might have been the whole department. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty close. most of uh yeah. of, of the department. I mean, like a doorknob, everybody gets a turn, right? And where there's <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire. If this mm-hmm. much naughty stuff is going on. And off she, the clock. And she admitted to it. The mayor uh, started the investigation and and all that, and one of the cops tried to lie about it, but it, he initially came, you know, he initially lied, and he came back and admitted it. I guess he knew the gig was up, and they were also taking pictures. And, and you're changing new photos. And I bet you that was on the department issue cell phones. Yeah, the, it seems like the off the clock stuff was uh, really centered around football parties yeah. that they would hold watch parties at different officers' houses. Um, or at a hotel uh, following an outing at a, at a go-kart place. So there was some stuff going on outside of, uh, uh, outside of the, uh, uh, the day-to-day uh, police work. But when, I, when I started in law enforcement, uh, Brother Pete Charlay had been a cop for years. He, he told me, he said, Woody, you need to keep at least one friend that's not a cop. And I, and I said, why? He said, because you're going to get sucked into it. And um, the only people you're going to want to hang around with are other cops because they're the only ones that get you. And he was right. And, uh, every every day off, especially when I was single, we ran together, we partied together. I mean, we didn't God. we didn't do shit on duty like that. But well, off duty. Think about this. This is a small department. I, I don't know exactly how many officers there were, but five of the officers, mm-hmm. five of them. Admitting admitted to engaging in sexual acts with Hall. Hall also admitted to having sexual encounters with all five of the officers. Now, 
Not nobody, on, nobody likes sloppy seconds. But how about fifths? Sloppy fifths? They, it's got to be worse than sloppy on that. It's got to be ruined fifth. <laughs> it's got to be. They must have a run on penicillin going know, on in that uh, in that know. department. I don't know. Hey, but you know what? Everybody got here because two people had a sex drive, right? But you <laughs> sure. shouldn't do it on duty. That's the moral of this story. I mean, I don't give a shit if she slept with every, all everybody, the other two members in the department or whatever it may be. Whatever she does, that's her business, but you can't do your business on cop time. Well, to that point, the Laverne Police Chief Burl Chip Davis said in a statement on Monday that this is a difficult situation for our department and for the city. But I want to be clear that the actions of a few do not represent this department as a whole. Well, Chip, if the few are your entire department. Right. Hey, hey uh, Chip, the, the, you know, a few is defined as maybe two, maybe three. You got like six or seven of them going at it. Yeah, I want to meet the the whoever – the one or two officers that weren't participating. Yeah, I'm sure they got some uh, divorce lawyers that are being retained for services this week. Jim, any final thoughts over there for the fine officers of Laverne, Tennessee? Uh, not really. I don't really have anything yeah. to add to that one. It is what it is. I don't want to beat her up too bad. I mean, she is a human. Oh, yeah. Well, and all of them are human. They just shouldn't have been fucking on duty. <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't be in, pro- in trouble. Right. I agree. Turning to a story as an Italian-American that you never like to see, the most wanted mafia boss in Italy was arrested after a 30-year search. <laughs> Matteo Messina Denaro is an Italian mob boss who has been wanted, y'all, for like 30 years. So it's hard to hide for Three days in in this day and time with technology the way it is, you see what happened with the the Idaho murderer. They can just about track him from the killings back to his house. This guy went on the lam for thirty years, uh, and look, the Sicilian mob is no joke. They're, they're legit. This guy is responsible for tons of killings, uh, extortion, you name it. And Cosa Nostra is less strong today because he is captured, hopefully. In the black hand, not a Sicily's less. Uh, but you know what? This dude didn't just get away with it for 30 years. Some He was paying somebody to protect him. Mm, good point. Or they were paying slash paying the combination of if we tell where he's at, you know, we're going to get Kill good as Mike, kill him good as Mike would say. But he certainly had protection, but you know, it's, it's not the same time as it was 30 years ago. You can't get away with it anymore. Well, one of the saddest pieces here is that one of the crimes he's charged with is the murder and torture of the 11 year old son of an enemy who gave evidence against the Sicilian Cosa Nostra. And for all of my life growing up Italian in America, there's a code of conduct right. where women, children are untouchable right. uh, in these kinds of situations. And so it uh, it looks like uh, our friend Matteo 
uh, assuming he's guilty of that crime, uh, went way outside the uh, the boundaries that they operate in. Well, interesting. At least he had 30 years. Yeah, and he also, uh, uh, in addition to that, he uh, received a life sentence in 2020 for a bombing that he was a part of in Milan, a fatal bombing. And, uh, you know, was the orderer of just dozens of murders. Way more than we'll ever know. Yeah. And was given a life sentence for that. So in, it took, abs- in absentee, yeah. I mean, he wasn't even there. They tried him. Right. And when they tracked him down, uh, this was around 10 a.m. Sicily time. Uh, they conducted a raid with over a hundred agents. Uh, obviously they needed to, they needed an army, uh, to take him down. They really didn't know what they were going to be looking at when they got there. And it might've been a scene from Scarface where, you know, he's in a, a mansion and he's just right. shooting and let me introduce you to my little friend. Yeah. One of the best scenes of all Ever. time, incidentally. Ever. Don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> Don't get high. One more quaalude and she'll yeah, love me in yeah. the morning. Take another quaalude, she'll love me. Look at a pretty pelican, flying pelican, flying as the flamingos. <laughs> First anyway, you get the money. First you get the pilot. Fuck this guy. You, you get the woman. Prison, right? Yeah. I'm, I don't even know if they have the death penalty. I'm not sure if they do, he'll get it. Well, here's the interesting thing. When they were tracking him for all these years, they actually were seizing assets as they went. So they would kind of follow him to different spots. By the time he would, they would get there, he would find out they were on his trail and move, but he would leave behind assets. They ended up seizing around $3 billion worth of assets yeah. during this 30-year manhunt. Yeah, he's still making his money today. He, I mean, uh, obviously he was killing and continuing this criminal enterprise, this narcotics, whatever the fuck they were doing. Um, he... Had to have a source of income for 30 years. Yeah. Well, he's behind bars now. Well, we'll see how that works. Maybe he'll El Chapo and escape. Through a hole in the ground. Boom. Several times. Last week's segment was so popular, we are back again with another bad guy birthday. This week, we're saying happy birthday to Al Capone. And who better to follow up our story about the Sicilian mobster captured after 30 years than to celebrate the birthday of Al Capone, who, had he lived, would have turned 124 years (laughs) old today. Wow. And just as popular today. Right. Hey, he was then. There are no gangsters in Chicago. But he actually died in 1947 at just 48 years of age. Yep. A little bit of syphilis on the brain, I believe. Yep. A, uh, a New Yorker at birth who uh, who moved to Chicago to become the leader of the Chicago outfit that dominated during Prohibition. Well, he, he would have never came to power as anything other than petty criminal had they not started Prohibition. And they used that opportunity to give the people what they wanted and they were going to get anyway, which is alcohol. That's right. And he was also a world-famous prisoner in Alcatraz. But back to it, on the, when he started the Prohibition, I mean, he's pretty much a genius, right? I mean, he gave 
the people what they wanted. But then they established these. Uh, he didn't just do it in Chicago. They established these routes through all the major cities and even from the hills or from Canada or from uh, the hollers where they were making the shine. So they had all these routes now. And all these people were on payroll, all these officials they were paying off, et cetera. And so when Prohibition ended, they, they still had these open corridors, these proven uh, methods of committing the crime, and they just swapped it to other things, whether it be prostitution or narcotics or whatever. And I will say that no one is celebrating harder today than Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> Yeah, they don't know y- y'all probably don't know and i was so hyped up to sure watch this in the uh, uh mid 80s or whenever it was it was a 2020 special yes al capone's they, vaults they found al capone's secret vault and geraldo decided he was going to open it on live national tv and they did it and it went on and they broke through the wall and they did the whole thing and i think they found like two coke bottles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> found like a wine bottle from yeah. yeah Good a, job, Geraldo. Uh, All right, a little yeah. trivia for you guys. The Capone story was told in the 1987 film The Untouchables. One of my favorites. Great movie. Yeah. Okay, well, let's see. Star study Let's cast. see how you are on your Untouchables trivia. All right. Who played Elliot Ness? Uh, Kevin Costner. One nothing. Woody's, Woody's ahead. Come on, Jim. I don't have a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> Who played Al Capone? Oh, um, damn it! I'm bad with names. I can't think of it. That's sad because he was the main was character. Really good, no, but it was I good, don't think anybody could actor. tell you who played who played him. Curious. Who was it? We we a default. very chubby for the role, Robert De Niro. Oh, so I knew it was from De Niro. Oh, yeah. can't hey, believe you guys missed role. De Niro. Great role. And they love the scene that around the dinner table, all the associates are there, and he takes the bat out and beats the guy's brains out. That was great. And close personal friend of mine happened to play the role of George Stone. Andy Garcia. Great scene in the train station at the end where where he's holding the baby carriage up and got him. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. Love Andy. If you haven't, go out and see the Untouchables today. Yep. All right. Celebrate. Happy really birthday! Was a Happy birthday! Really Uncle cool Paul. movie, but uh, let's be—we'd be remiss if we didn't say how they got him. All the shit they tried to get him on on prohibition and everything else, he had people paid off. Every time they did raids, it was you know they were warmed ahead of time. But they actually got his uh, his tax guy or his book guy to flip on him, and they did him on federal income tax evasion charges. Sentenced to the federal prison at Alcatraz, and supposedly they allowed him to have a prostitute come in, conjugal visits. And the theory is that the government knew this lady had whatever was syphilis or gonorrhea or whatever, and they gave it to him, and they didn't give him the treatment for it. And he's released, he retires to Miami, but they said pretty much his brain was mush at the time. He ended up dying from that complications of that. It's insane, though, when you wrap your mind around it. A gangster that could have died a million times before yep. that ends up dying by syphilis. Yeah. A sexually transmitted that's a, disease. That's a pretty shitty way to go, though. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, you, you lose your mind from yeah. what I understand. And, you know, 
Yeah. There's an outbreak. Probably in couldn't in happen Laverne, to a nicer Tennessee guy. Yeah, yeah, Laverne, Tennessee. Better that is so <laughs> you better get you some shots, Phil. That uh, poor girl. Maybe she's so uh, maybe sweet. she's looks like the girl next door. Maybe she uses dental dams. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Episode of Kenny Powers uh, until the girl said, uh, I'm gonna need you to use this dental dam. She's like, Fuck you, Kenny. I love that <laughs> show. He said, He's bounding down. He said, Hey, it's for your protection. <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest show of all time. It really is. Oh man. Mike, if you have a watch, let's turn you on to it. Let's uh let's wrap this episode with uh Dental dams. A bit of a sad story. Can we get a dental dams? Let's bring it down. Let's bring it down from dental dams, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about the youngest execution ever. It's a sad story uh, that reminds us that it wasn't that long ago, and it's good to think about stuff like this uh, in light of the national holiday yesterday in Martin Luther King Jr.'s honor. And we just dropped a episode last week on Bloody Angola Companion Show on last meals on famous executions. Yes, we did. Very interesting. Well, we go back in the time machine a little bit for this one, but on June 16, 1944, the state of South Carolina executed George Stinney Jr. He was 14 years, six months, and five days old at the time, the youngest person ever executed in the United States in the 20th century. Stinney, who was black, was convicted of murdering two white girls, Betty June Binnaker, age 11, and Mary Emma Thames, age eight, with a railroad spike. The trial lasted three hours, and the all-white jury deliberated for 10 minutes mm. before sentencing George Stinney and to his ha- death in the electric chair. In the electric chair. And it was just six weeks later that guards strapped him into the electric chair. He was five foot one and weighed just over 90 pounds. Wow. And during the electrocution, the, the jolt shook the adult side, uh, size mask he was wearing right off of his head. Wow. I'm curious to know how, uh, what weight and size Mary and Jane, Betty were when he was stabbing yeah. them with railroads. They were a little bit younger than who knows. I mean, I hope this isn't, uh, an injustice, right? I mean, somebody else could have killed him and blamed it on him, and certainly all white jury and your like young black male killed two young white girls. Oh, they, they were gonna kill his ass. That, well, it was an interesting back then, and me and Woody have done many episodes on Bloody Angola about executions during that time, right? And I mean, they didn't play around. If you if you were sentenced to death, it was like within three months you were. Yep. You were done. The appeals process lasted about a day, yeah. and and uh, and you got executed. Nowadays, you if you're sentenced to an execution, it, you never get executed. You die of old age right. first, right? It's so and, the, and I the, found and that the state spends millions and millions of millions dollars in incarcerating you for that yeah, time millions. period. But well, that, that's the incarceration is, is what costs so much. It's the appeals, the trial, process, the, yeah. the uh, afters of your 28 years on death row is because there's an active appeal going on and it costs millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. 28 years of lawyers. Fuck. I don't even like talking to a lawyer for two minutes. And know? then, yes. And then not to mention the feeding and housing you know, just the food over 28 years' time. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a chunk of change. It, yeah. 
It, it's insane. But you want to get it right. I get right, that. Right. I don't 28 know. years, though. Let this 14-year-old execute it. I mean, I'm for the death penalty. Uh, I, I, I'm not for it if it's wrong. Yeah. Well, and in 1944, almost 80 years ago, uh, if you're Mr. Stinney did not have the rights he would have right. today to right. a jury of his peers. Uh, that was clearly not a right. jury of his peers. Yeah. Um, all white on black in South Carolina. Accused of killing two white girls, uh, they were going to kill him for sure, and they did. I wonder, and he may very well have done it, but, well, but yeah, yeah. was was due process received? Mm, I'm pretty sure. Don't think so. They, they were just short of get a rope, right? I mean, I don't know. It's a tough one. I hate to wrap it up on a on a bummer. Well, then we should talk about. Real life of a crime and bloody and go. Let's talk about bloody and go live. Yes, yes, yes. We just sold out two shows Friday night and Saturday night. Shout out Southeastern and Crystal. Well, wait, Mars. tell them, tell them what it is. You got to assume people ain't never heard of bloody Angola. Oh, you're right. The uh, bloody Angola is a podcast all about the most notorious, largest, and bloodiest maximum security prison in the United States, which is Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. I thought you were going to say podcast 142 years in the making, and I was going to say my part. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we, y'all tune in, you'll hear it. We open the show the same way every time. Mad success. Uh, crazy. Uh, it, every episode is different, and now we're doing – three drops a week instead of one. And it's always something different. Um, very entertaining to me. It's entertaining because I love the criminal mind fascinates me and it's just fire. And the numbers prove it. And y'all proving that we're, you know, always up there in documentaries and, and Apple podcasts. And if you haven't checked it out, go check, go it, check out. it out, subscribe, like it and leave us a review and all that good stuff. Cause yeah. it's good. You guys were great. You guys were oh, great. We, yeah, uh, yeah. Mike we, got to come. And, uh, and we're talking about and a bloody angle alive yeah. right now. We uh, we did a live podcast where we told the story uh, of the Angola Five and uh, in a, in a actually horrible Captain murder. David Naps is a victim. Yes, and a horrible murder uh, that took place in 1999 at Louisiana State Penitentiary of a captain correctional officer and uh also and we don't definitely don't want to forget about them there was there was two other hostages involved in that situation who although they lived and were, were blessed to live uh i'm sure it completely changed their life and right. so yeah. um we told that story and it was very successful we sold out two nights and uh and so we look forward to doing more. Yeah, when we say live podcast, podcast, y'all, I think you know I've been doing real life for crime and uh, the crew bash for years now. I think people have a misconception that we're sitting behind a desk, sitting behind a microphone. It's not like that. It's pretty much a crowd interactive show. Uh, we are facing the audience. We're standing the whole time, and we had a lot of great stuff that Jim put together for it. Um, it was awesome. We thank everybody for coming out, and we'll do another one again in the future. 
It was great. And for me, maybe the, the best part was getting to uh, meet fans that had uh, that had come, some from pretty oh, we uh, far Tennessee, distances. Houston. Uh, Dallas. All, all, Dallas. Uh, all over. Yeah. All really, really passionate about Buddy Angola. Also really passionate about real life, real crime. Also, if you mentioned listening to this little show. Absolutely. Did, yeah. Hey, I was getting my hair done by my stylist, if you believe that. Actually, she's a barber. That morning, Friday morning, and she was talking about show business. Right? Show they, business. they love the new show. This I, show. When my stylist was doing my hair, she was also <laughs> talking about show business. <laughs> Should I say buffing my hair? <laughs> well, in their honor, we'll open episode five with an update on show business. Yes, yes. Got to talk about that. Let's wrap this one up, boys. I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Everton. And I'm Mike Agavino. And we'll see you on Friday with another real life, real crime daily. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.